Well, greetings in the name of Jesus, <clears throat> and it's good to worship together this morning. It was, uh, I believe, a couple of weeks ago that a certain scripture came to my mind uh, that I thought I would share this morning, and um, I don't re remember what brought it. I guess maybe the Lord didn't want me to remember that, why, why it came to my mind, because maybe that's not important. But uh, it's closely related to our Sunday school lesson. And so maybe the Lord had that in mind as, as a good thing uh, to just emphasize some of this thing about relationships uh, within the, mainly among, among Christians, among, among uh, the brotherhood. Um, it's from uh, Ephesians, and um, so you can turn there, and it's, it's part, part of one chapter, and that is part of Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 5. Um. <clears throat> It, as I, as I, it was somehow brought to my attention as I looked at it, I, I realized it, it was a, a portion of scripture, a part of a chapter that maybe we don't give a lot of attention to as we do some portions of Ephesians. Maybe that's why the Lord wanted me to brought it to my attention uh, so that we could uh, at least look at it in, in one message. But um, I know that I've preached before from Ephesians chapter 1. I've preached before from Ephesians chapter 2. There are aspects of chapter 3 of Ephesians that, that we look at from time to time because they're related to, to the church or, or to uh, uh, the greatness of God or something. In, in, in a couple things there in chapter 3. Of course, chapter 4, especially the first part of it, the first half of it is this thing about the unity of the brotherhood and, and, and gifts in the church and how, how that works together for the good of the body. And you have that, that big verse, verse 16, that uh, we, we talk about sometimes. Uh, and then in, in the rest of chapter 4, you have the old man and the new man. Well, the end of chapter 5, of course, is this thing of... Uh, husband and wife relationships, and we, we look at that a lot and talk refer to the end of chapter 5 a, a lot uh, when we talk about the home and, and husband and wives relating to each other. And then the beginning of chapter uh, 6 is that thing of uh, uh, children and pa parents, and I just heard a message on that last Sunday, uh, just from like the, the first four verses of chapter 6. Um, yeah. And then you have um, the Christian's armor, uh, there uh, near the middle or, or last part of, uh, of, of chapter 6. So uh, it's the first part of chapter 5, you know, that uh, we kind of leave out sometimes. And so uh, I would like to uh, look at least in part at uh, chapter 5, uh, the first 21 verses. And, of course, we won't have time to, to give a, a, a detail to everything in these 21 verses, but for um, <clears throat> but, but some of it at least. Now, um, of course, when it begins by saying, be therefore, 
then uh, you know the story. We need to know what it's there for. And what, it's referring to something beforehand, of course. Um, so maybe just talk about that just a, a little bit, first of all. A couple of things I'd like to talk about kind of in, in an introductory way, uh, which I feel like is important. And uh, therefore, that, of course, takes away from getting into the details of every verse. But I think that's important. And maybe that can be then, uh, if I don't say everything about every verse, which I won't, then that can uh, inspire some homework for, for you, uh, you know, in your personal devotions or something. <clears throat> um, as far as the therefore in the first verse... Of course, you could look back in a few of the last verses of, of, of chapter 4. Um, I'll, just, I'll just go just, just to the last verse only at this point. Verse 32, of course, of chapter 4. And be ye kind one to another. Now, I'll stop right there, and, and you can see already, one to another. It's talking about relationships. Um, if you look back up just a few verses before that, say uh, verses 28 and 29, it's talking about relationships. Uh, verse 26, uh, it's talking about relationships. Uh, verse 25, lying, it's relationships. Um, <clears throat> and so back to verse 32 of, uh, of chapter 4, then it uses this general term, kind. You know, maybe it's maybe it's it's summing up some of these things that, that I just referred to in, in a few of the verses before. It simply says, "Be kind one to another." Uh, uh, it's a small small word that that we talk to children about oftentimes. It, it's so much wrapped up in that one little four-letter word: "Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another." Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And so we see the example of God. Um, now that, that brings up another thing before I continue. The little two-letter word as that we just read in verse 32. As God. It's comparing us... It's saying that our life should, should come up to the standard of God, as God. Be as God. Be like God. May I point out to you several other places <clears throat> where the word as is used. And uh, chapter 5, verse 1. As dear children. Verse 2. As Christ, verse 3, as becometh saints, verse 8, as children of light, verse 15, not as fools. In each case, there's a comparison and saying either you should be or you shouldn't be like that or as that. That's God 
by his word, suggesting, telling, not just suggesting, telling us how we ought to be. Here is a standard. Here is a person. Here is a, here is a truth. Be like that. There's a, a little tiny word study. You know, one of the tiniest words, as, A-S. How, how do I measure up to that standard that it's suggesting in all those cases? So, uh, going back to this introduction, the, the reason therefore is used in, in the first verse. Be therefore followers of God. And it gave us the example of God in verse 32 just before. As God for Christ's sake. Be like God. Be like God's example. By the way, the word followers in verse 1. You might have a note in your Bible. Imitators. I looked in several translations and several different translators uses the word imitators there. And then it says, as dear children, as little children, as little children, as, as dear and loved little children tend to imitate their own parents. And all of most of you have seen it. Um, it can happen in a couple of different ways. A little tiny child will, will say something or do something exactly like you did. And then, you know, kind of in their middle years, you know, they don't want to do anything like father or mother, of course. <laughs> and then lo and behold, when they get a little older, in their 20s and 30s, that's his dad coming out. That's, that's just like it, her mother, you know, or something like that. Well, uh, God, through the Holy Spirit, had Paul to write this. Be ye therefore imitators of God of your heavenly father as dear children because like you're his child because you are through the blood of Jesus Christ so you see the connection there the example of of God through Christ in verse 32 therefore be like that beginning chapter 5 Now, before we go further, um, let me point out one other thing uh, that's uh, good to note in the book of Ephesians, and that is the word walk. Walk. Now, you realize Ephesians isn't a very large book. And of course, there's a lot of small books in the, in the New Testament. But uh, the word walk is used more in Ephesians than any other book of the whole New Testament, with the exception of the Gospel of John. It is used more often in the Gospel of John, but all the other Gospels, even Revelation with 20-some chapters, um, the word walk is used more often in Ephesians. Um, And I won't show you everyone, but I'll show you maybe most of them quickly. In chapter uh, 4, um, verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1, 
I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy. Walk worthy. Okay? You can, you can in your homework, you can decide, you know, what, what that's suggesting there. I won't make more comments there. Chapter 5. <clears throat> chapter 5. Oh, oh, one more in, in, in chapter 4. Verse 17. Verse 17. That ye henceforth walk not. This is in the negative then. Walk not as other Gentiles walk. It's suggesting the world walks a certain way. Don't walk that way. The Sunday school superintendent suggested to us, and I appreciate what he said, the world often looks a certain way. I mean, they, they appear a certain way. And he suggested rightly, why do I want to appear like the ungodly world? We shouldn't. Chapter 5, verse 2. And walk in love. As Christ also hath loved us. Did we see the love of God in chapter 30, in, in verse 32 of chapter 4? I've already pointed that out. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. That's certainly a deepness of love. And then how, 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 what, how, what's the standard? God. God is the standard through Jesus Christ. As God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. That's how much love. That's the kind of love. So, in verse 2 of chapter 5, and walk in love as Christ has loved us. As, there it is, that's, we already pointed that out, as Christ being the standard. As. So, walk in love, walk worthy, walk in love. Verse 8. Walk, the end of verse 8. Walk as children of light. Walk in light. Walk like children of light. If you've been saved, you are children of light. Walk as children of light. Your walk should parallel with you as a redeemed, God-fearing person. Make sure your walk lines up with, with what you say is inside. And sometimes that doesn't match, unfortunately. And that's sad when it doesn't. You talk to a person, even church members sometimes, oh yeah, yeah, everything's right here, yeah, I mean, everything's right in here. But, but their walk, I, I didn't use the word, God, God chose to use the word, use the word walk. Their walk doesn't seem to match up with what they say is inside. And, and he's suggesting here that can be a problem. Walk as children of light, if you claim to be one. Don't look like the world and claim to be walking as children of light. Verse 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly. 
So there are uh, some of the walks, most of the walks in, uh, in Ephesians. I think uh, I'll kind of break it up into, into three sections here. And I'm, I'm going to ask you to, to help me read this. So let's, let's first look at, this, at the first seven verses. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, the first seven verses. Um, in this case, I'll, I'll read the uh, odd verses. And, and if you will respond by reading the even numbered verses, please. So I'll begin, and then you, you can come in with verse 2 and, and the even number verse. And we'll just go through verse 7 and stop. <clears throat> Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. For this ye know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. And we'll stop there. And I thought about doing this, and uh, I didn't do it there at the beginning, and I, for lack of time, we won't do it now. But um, <clears throat> if we're talking about relationships and relating to one another in the body of Christ, you can use a word that kind of ties it together and, and sums it up, and that is simply the word submission. And we've used that already in our Sunday school lesson. Um, and notice verse 21 where I said I would stop. That's what it says. But um, when we're thinking about the body of Christ and, and members of the body, and of course you could go to various places in the New Testament, especially some of Paul's writings. I'm thinking right now, you know, when he used the, the, the body parts in 1 Corinthians and how they relate together. You know, it's a submission one to another. It's a working together. It's a giving. Um, I, I mentioned in our Sunday school class, you know, there's first, most of the verses in that second section uh, of our scripture in the Sunday school class today, most of those verses have to do with me giving myself to a relationship, giving rather than taking, giving rather than being selfish. You could say it a number of different ways. And 
Many of these verses we're looking at in the end of chapter 4, the middle here in the beginning of chapter 5, has to do with, with giving ourselves for the good of the other. It's, it's submitting ourselves one to another. It's verse 21. And, and what, what I was going to do, uh, I was going to read some of the last verses, maybe the last five or six verses of chapter 4. And after every one of those verses, then I was going to insert verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another. Uh, just for an example, uh, verse 31 of chapter 4. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And you, you, you could do that. <laughs> Want some more homework? Uh, read, read some of the last part of, uh, uh, of chapter 4. And after every verse, insert submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Then read the next verse, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, and so on. <clears throat> you could do that, of course, with part of, uh, uh, of chapter 5. <clears throat> well, this thing of giving and submitting, uh, I have underlined in my Bible in, in, in verse 2, given. Uh, Christ, we already talked about the word as. There it is in, in, in verse 2. Christ, the perfect example. Christ, the standard. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. And this is how he did it. He gave. He didn't take. He gave. And hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. And then comes the word but. Why does he bring up these immoral things, these sexual sins, and more than, more than sexual sins, other things, now in these next few verses? Because it, it, it's taking. It, 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 it's selfish. It's taking rather than giving. He said, this is the opposite side of the coin. And so, of course, he, he, you need to use the word but, and that's what we have there. But the opposite of that, but the opposite of submitting, but the opposite of loving, but the opposite of, uh, of giving. And then here we go with verses 3, 4, 5, and 6, and so forth. But, verse 3, fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints. See, those things are, are taking. It's for me, myself, and I. It's for my own selfish doings. And he continues with the list in verse 4. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient or not suitable, 
And before I finish the verse, let me stop and make a couple of comments. Oftentimes, when somebody is, is speaking in a filthy way or a foolish way or jesting in an improper way, what's the reason? It's say, look at me. Look how I can make you laugh. Look how smart I am. Look how I can think. It's called pride. It's called selfishness. It's called, look at me. I'm special. I, I can do this. I, I can be the clown. I can be the center of attention. I can say something that you'll be thinking about for a long time. You'll be thinking about me. That, that's part of the deal here. It, it, it's taking. It's selfishness. It's pride. It's the opposite of giving. It's the opposite of submission. The end of verse 4, there's the word but again. And I've talked about this before, at least somewhat. The importance of thankfulness. The importance of giving of thanks. You remember, I believe it's in Timothy, where Paul lists a, quite a big list of sins. And one of them then is being unthankful. Here's thankfulness. You might say, why does he stick this little thing of thankfulness in with these sins? Because it suggests something. And I real, you know, I, a lot of things go through my mind concerning this. It, it's a subject all of its own, and, and we don't have time to, to talk about it in detail. But an unthankful person is just a sign of other deep-seated problems in their inner man. That's not the only time he said it in this chapter. As you can see, um, verse 20, giving thanks. There he's talking about, you know, he's talking about singing in verse 19. But then he inserts verse 20. Giving thanks. He begins it with giving thanks. Um, again, look, look at that list of sins in, in First Timothy, in one of the Timothys. I forget if it's first or second. Big list, probably one of the longer lists of sins in the, in the scriptures. And one of them is unthankfulness. Why does it go along with sins? Uh, I... I I don't have the wherewithal to give you all the answers now. I just know it's in the scripture and, and I have an understanding in my own self as, as how it works. But when, when we are grateful to God for who he is, for what he's done for me, 
for saving my soul, for blessing me with his word, for blessing me with people around me that care, for blessing me with, with a brotherhood, with, with members of the body that want to follow his will and way. When I, when I realize that, when I'm thankful for that, it goes a long way in victory in my life, in my walk. And so here he says, it lists a few sins, verses 3 and 4, and then at the end of verse 4, but the opposite of that, somewhat of the opposite of that, but rather giving of thanks. It's a very interesting thought. But rather the giving of thanks. Now, he goes on to interpret a little bit or, or to give some, some, some seriousness of what he said in, in verse 3 and 4 with these lists of sins verse, by, by verse 5. For this we know that no whoremonger nor unclean person it's saying some of these same things he said in verses 3 and 4 with some different words. No whoremonger, nor unclean person. And then he used the same word. And I'll stop and say this here. Both times he used the word covet. It's in verse 3. It's repeated in verse 5. It's along with these sins of the flesh and sins of pride. You know, too often probably we, we tend to put sins at different levels. You know, this is a real bad sin. Or maybe if it's really bad, it should be down here, I guess, huh? <laughs> this is a real bad sin. This one's not quite as bad. This is just a little sin. Well, where would you put coveting? And, and probably most of us say, well, you know, sometimes I've coveted something. I, I've, I've wanted something that really... Really, I shouldn't. Really, it, was, it wasn't really right to want it, you know. Uh, maybe it was something I shouldn't have or God wouldn't want me to have or it's not mine or, you know, it's almost like stealing, uh, you know. But, but you know, I've, I've had that problem sometimes. But, but here in God's word, that word covet is put right in here among those sins that we would put as really bad. It's just a... a an example for us to realize sin is sin. And we should not allow the devil to get us in the habit of, of putting him in different places and saying, this is, this is not so bad after all. Yeah, yeah, that's really bad. But, you know, if, if, if the devil makes us think that one is really bad, it, then it, we have a tendency to think that some others are not so bad, you see. And yet he puts covet right here with these other sins. Two times. Continuing in verse 5. Nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. That's the seriousness of these sins. That's what the Bible says. That's what God said in his word. They have no inheritance. Those kind of people have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Wow. It is very serious. Now, look at verse 6. What does it mean by the first phrase? It means this. People will say, that's not so bad after all. 
Well, that was just for the culture of that day. Uh, God didn't really mean it that way. See, you just don't understand. Just like Satan did the very first time in the Garden of Eden to Eve. That's what the beginning of verse 6 is saying. Let no man deceive you with vain words. Let no man argue with you and say, that's really not what it means. That's not so bad. Uh, this is a different day. Uh, that was a different culture. Uh, we're learning more. Um, That's what it means. Let no man deceive you with vain words. And then it says why. It's repeating what it said at the end of verse 5. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Period. You can't say it's not wrong because we live in a different day. You can't say it's not wrong because we live in a different culture. You can't say it's not wrong because our country don't see it as wrong. You can't say it's not wrong because we have a Christian nation and, and they believe different than, than the Bible used to say. Let no man deceive you with these kind of vain words. The fact is... God's wrath will come on these sins, upon these sinners. In fact, verse 7, where we stopped this reading, be not ye therefore partakers with them. Have nothing to do with them. Don't associate with them. Different translations read it a little differently, but they all basically mean the same thing, of course. Now, he brings in the thing of light in the next few verses. Uh, just look at the word light uh, in verses uh, 8 to 17. Verse 8, you were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the world, walk as children of light. There's the word light two times there. Look at verse 11. The word light is not there, but the opposite of that, darkness, is there. Okay? So he's, he's using the word light and darkness here together, and of course you know the difference. Everybody knows the difference between light and darkness. They're so opposite of each other. Then verse 13, light is used twice. Then verse 14, quoting from the Old Testament, it ends with the word light. Let's read verses 8 to 17 like we did the other verses. Um, 8 to 17, and you, you again read the even verses. So this time, of course, with verse 8, you will start, and then I will follow with verses 9 and the odd verses. So read the even verses, please. Let's begin with verse 8. For ye were sometimes... For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. 
but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. We'll stop right there. <clears throat> so, he's mentioned these sins and given some comments about uh, these sins in the first reading we did there. And uh, then he, he refers back to those things, but he, he, he's drawing the contrast and the comparison and so forth between light and darkness. So he introduces that word uh, light, as I already mentioned, in, in verse 8. And he's saying, some of you were like this. Uh, you were at one time like this. Darkness, and I didn't mention that word, uh, but I, I mentioned the word darkness, of course, in verse uh, 11. Uh, and maybe it's used uh, again in here. But, um, but now, this is a fact. This is what the Bible says. Ye are light in the Lord, because what Jesus has done, God has done for you through Jesus Christ. Ye are light in the Lord. And I already mentioned this earlier. If that's you, make sure your walk lines up with it. Okay, that's what it says. Then walk that way. Walk as children of light. Paul talked about that. Our, our walk matching up with our talk in, in various of his writings. This is just one of them. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Uh, Demonstrating, demonstrating what is acceptable to the Lord. And um, as he said um, in verse 7, be not therefore partakers with them. Then he says in verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And if he says that in verse 7, and if he says that in verse 11, why is it so that sometimes... As Brother Landis suggested here in the opening, sometimes Christians want to get so close to the ungodly world. And want to look so much like the ungodly world. And want to act so much like the ungodly world when the Bible says we should separate ourselves from that and, and, and have no part of it. We, we have to keep moving here. Um, many things come to one's mind, but I, I, we, we must keep going here. <clears throat> In fact, in verse 12, he says, in fact, it is even a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. 
Verse 13, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever maketh manifest is light. Light, light shows up things. We all know that. We, we can't see in darkness. You turn light on, then the truth is known. That's basically what it's saying. That's what happens with light. Praise God for that. And it quotes then from Isaiah in verse 14. See then, then, in, in light of that, see then, see then in light of what he just said, that you walk cautiously, circumspectly. Uh, if you want a, another homework assignment, look up circumspectly. Maybe look into the, to the Greek and see what, other, what Greek word this comes from and how other English words could, could help you understand circumspectly there. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. What's he saying? He's suggesting if, if, if we don't line it, if we don't agree with this, if we don't walk this way, we're foolish. Not as fools, but as wise. It's wise to stay away from the junk of the world. And the looks of the world and the actions of the world. It's wisdom. It's wise. It's foolish to be so close to it and to, and to rub hands and, and so forth. Then he used this little word, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Uh, making good use of the time. Be a good steward of the time. Time is short. We need to do it now. Verse 17, therefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. He's given us the will of the Lord. <laughs> Hopefully we understand it. And if we don't, he's suggesting we're not wise. Now, these last few verses. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Uh, I, I, I read this recently and I remember hearing this or maybe hearing this from another preacher or reading it somewhere some, some maybe a long time ago. Um, nowhere in the Bible are we commanded to be indwelled by the Spirit. Nowhere in the Bible are we commanded to be baptized by the Spirit. And it says, it uses those words, it says we are. We are baptized, or somebody was baptized. In other words, we believe, according to the scripture, that when a person commits themselves to Jesus Christ, when says yes to God, that, that then the Spirit dwells in him. And so the Bible nowhere says, commands us to be indwelled. It doesn't command us to be baptized by the Spirit. Because that's going to happen. That's God's working when, when we give ourselves to him. But... It does say in verse 18, but be filled with the Spirit. My life, when I'm not walking close to God as I should, my life can limit the Spirit's work in my heart. My wrong walk can keep me from being from being filled as full of the Spirit as God would like to be in me. Uh, 
my, my wrong walk can limit the spirit in my heart and life. Can limit what he would like to do with me and, and, and in me. And the Bible commands us in verse 18 to be filled with the spirit. Let him have full course in your heart and life. Continue to say yes to him in, in each and every way. Be filled. N not just a little bit of the Spirit. L let the Spirit have full course in your life. Well, <clears throat> then we have that verse 19. I I I'll say this quickly. Uh, you realize that that verse, uh, it's a similar verse in, what is it, verse about 17, 16 or 17 of Colossians 3, I think it is. Kind of like 19, just said in a little different, a few different words. I'll read it, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Um, it sounds like working together. It sounds like relationships. It sounds like singing together like we have done already today. But what I was going to say about where it's, where it's listed in, in Colossians uh, chapter 3, I think it's verse 17. <clears throat> One time I heard a man in a music conference speak. And, and, he, and he was getting to, to verse 17. But he started at verse 1 of Colossians and came all the way down through to get to verse 17. And he said, how, if, 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 and by the way, if you don't know what's in Colossians verses 1 to 16, more homework, okay? <laughs> Go read all those verses, chapter 3, all those verses before you get to, to the one that's like this. I think it's verse 17. <laughs> and this is what he said. he said. He said, verse 17 won't happen. It can't happen like it should if we're not living verses 1 to 16. And, and songwriters that are writing this stuff for us to sing, they should be living verses 1 to 16. And then verse 17, verse 17 can happen in its fullness, in its beauty. Well, some of that is right here too, of course. Verse 19 isn't the first verse of the chapter, you know. So uh, I guess we could say it here, you know. Uh, if we're not living the end of verse four, chapter 4 and, and the first part of chapter 5, it's going to be hard for, for verse 19 to work. But if we are, then 19 can be a, a beautiful verse and it can work in a wonderful way. Um, I already mentioned verse 20, giving thanks, giving thanks. The Psalms, go back to the Old Testament, the Psalms, there's so much in the, in the Psalms, which was the songbook of the Hebrews, so much in that songbook about giving thanks, giving thanks to God. And that's what it says here, giving thanks always for all things. Well, uh, again, <laughs> there's another sermon. Giving thanks always. Is that hard to do or what? <laughs> always for all things. Is that easy? <laughs> uh, unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We end in verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God.
let me bring out this aspect and, and I'll, I'll read the verses of, of one song and then we'll, we'll close. It says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. God, our relationship with God comes into play here in, in, in this little verse. It's going to affect my relationship with God if I'm not submitting myself one to another. And I would just say this, if you're a member, if you're a member of, 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 a, of a brotherhood, which most of you are, uh, that are adults, you know, if you're a member of any organization, okay, that has some, some written, written things written down, uh, those things we could call objective. There, we, we use two, two terms in, in re relating to, to thoughts and, 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 and actions. Objective and subjective. Some things are objective. I mean, it's like yes and no. I mean, it's like black and white. Objective. That's what it means. And then some things are subjective. Uh, it's more of a, a general feeling. Or, you know, it's a general statement that we have to interpret. And it may be interpreted different places in different ways. It's subjective. It's subject to something. Okay? But objective... It's like yes and no, black and white. It's written down. This is what it says. Period. What I'm getting at is this. Uh, when we have agreed upon things in our brotherhood that, that's written down, okay, that's in black and white, uh, that's very objective, is it not? You know, and, and if, if we don't go with that, then... How are we fitting into verse 21? Submitting ourselves one to another. This is what we've decided. This is where we're at. This is, this is what we've stated. This is what we've agreed upon. It's, it's objective. It's black and white. It's written down. Uh, and if our submission won't, won't be there, how can we pretend that we are submitting in the subjective things? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't line up. We're just being pretenders, I'm afraid, if that's the case. <clears throat> well, um, it, as I kind of alluded to or said at the beginning, this thing of, of subjection and sub submitting one to another, uh, it was in our Sunday school lesson, of course. It, it's in all these verses that we've looked at today. It's relationships and how we fit together, how we work together in a beautiful way. And he wrote all that and came with a period at the end of verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. <clears throat> There's a song here that's not in our hymn book. It, it just came to my mind. Um, and I'll just read the words. M many of you are, are familiar with it. Um, uh, I remember hearing it sung uh, in ladies' voices. I think it was in some ladies' uh, songbooks. Uh, but uh, it is in the Zion's Praises uh, in, in mixed music. But uh, it's a song, Sweet Will of God. Let me just read quickly uh, most of the words of this song. Uh, written both words and music by the same person. It goes like this. 
my stubborn will at last has yielded. I would be thine and thine alone. And this the prayer my lips are bringing, Lord, let in me thy will be done. Sweet will of God, still fold me closer till I am wholly lost in thee. Next verse. I'm tired of sin, for foot sore and weary. The darksome path hath dreary grown. But now a light has risen to cheer me. I find in thee my star, my sun. Next verse. Thy precious will, O conquering Savior, doth now embrace and compass me. All discords hushed, my peace a river. My soul a prisoned bird set free. If I could make a comment before I read the, read the last verse. You know, sometimes people live like this. Uh, uh, don't, don't, don't get too close to me. Don't, don't tell me what to do. Uh, don't, uh, I have to think about that. Uh, why are you asking me to do that? Uh, and, and, and they live like that. It may be members of the church. It may be employer-employee relationships. It may be husband and wife relationships. It may be teenager and parent relationships. But, but they live like this. Uh, wait a minute. Why? why should I obey you? Why should I submit to you? And, and they, they live in a turmoil inside, afraid somebody over them is going to ask them to do something that they don't want to do. And they live on, on the edge. And it's not comfortable. And he, this writer realized that. And when they submitted, then they had peace like a river. And it was like a, a prison bird set free. Let me just read that verse one more time. Thy precious will, O conquering Savior, doth now embrace and compass me. All discords hushed. My peace a river. My soul a prison bird set free. Sweet will of God. Still fold me closer till I am wholly lost in thee. And the last verse says this. Shut in with thee, O Lord, forever. My wayward feet no more to roam. What power from thee my soul can sever. The center of God's will, my home. Sweet will of God, still fold me closer till I am wholly lost in thee. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the way you provide for us and, and care for us. And uh, you, uh, you are so objective, God, and you, you give us things straightforward that we, uh, we just need to say yes to and, and yield to and submit ourselves to. And we thank you for the peace in our hearts, uh, the, the weight that can be lifted when we just humbly submit ourselves to you and, and die to self and give our, ourselves for, for you and for your glory and for the good of our brothers and sisters. Uh, we, we thank you for the, for the peace and joy you can give in our hearts when we live according to your, your, 
will and way for our hearts and lives. As we go from this place uh, uh, this, this morning, Lord, uh, may your light shine through us. May we walk in love. May we walk as children of light. May we walk circumspectly. And may we be submitted one to another in your fear. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Thank you for, uh, for coming. Thank you for listening. Uh, uh, I gave you a, several homework assignments. You don't have to do them all this afternoon, but you might want to do a couple of them sometime as you think about it. God bless you as you go from this place, and you are dismissed.